Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your truth and how abundant it is, God, Lord, that it's been the same yesterday, today, and it will be the same tomorrow. But God, Lord, that you just place such a conviction in our hearts, Father God. Lord, to be able, like, not just to respond with our spirit and say, yes, Lord, we believe, but Lord, just as the song says, that we would be jubilant with our feet, Lord, that you've called us to action to respond, God, and to be the hands and feet, Father God. Lord, there's so many things out there right now in this world, but God, we can hold on to your truth, to who you are, to who, what your promise is, Father God, and that's what we all want to stand behind. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Vanessa. Uh, usually you can see me running around different places here and there. Sometimes I'm at the door, sometimes I'm making coffee, sometimes I'm up here. Uh, but lately you can find me uh, with the youth, the young people. Um, it's been such a blessing, and um, the Lord has reminded me to have a really good sense of humor. So... Um, but today, I'm going to go ahead and talk and share. We've been on the series of the Beatitudes. Um, but just thinking about school starting back up in a couple of weeks for uh, most of our kids and those of you who are teachers, uh, I was remembering in right before the fourth grade started, um, the movie Jurassic Park had come out. And so my mom had gotten me and my sister these notebook binders that uh, had Jurassic Park pictures on the top of them. And it's like, wasn't just the binder, but there was like matching cool folders and a pencil case and all kinds of doodads that were fantastic. And I remember being so excited for like school to come and I could carry this, you know, to school and into class. Now, as excited as I was about that, I cannot tell you what was on the cover of my binder. But I can tell you with great detail what was on the cover of my sister's. You see, a few weeks into school, all of a sudden, my sister's notebook had disappeared, and they checked her class, and as far as they could tell, no one in her classroom had had it. And so she was very sad and upset about it. But then uh, I remember probably a few weeks, maybe even a month later, I was at lunch, and I was by the outside tables, and I saw a classmate of mine, and um, I noticed he had a similar binder that looked like my sister's. So I went and talked to him, but it was not to be like accusatory or anything. It was more like, hey, cool, you have Jurassic Park binder too, blah, 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 you know, and talk about all of that. But as I was talking to him, I asked him, where did you get it? And he could not tell me. He didn't have anything to say. And I really don't know where this boldness came from, but I just reached over, grabbed it, flipped it open, and I could see my sister's name written in Sharpie. And I said, this isn't yours, this is my sister's. So I just grab it, and then since it's lunchtime for everyone, I went and found my sister on the play yard, and I proudly went up to her, and I said, look, I found your binder, here you go. And I walked off. Well then, now we're all back in class, and then before I know it, all of a sudden, my sister and her teacher's aide come walking into the classroom. And I don't really know what came over me, but it was this extreme nervousness. And I could feel myself like sliding down into my chair. And I was like, oh my goodness, I might have to say something. Should I speak up? I really just didn't know what to do. And honestly, I would have traded my binder in that moment with my sister. I would have given her my nice looking thing with all the matching set and then have taken hers, which is now has stickers all over it, writing, none of the folders, no pencil bag, and really it was trashed. 
but I would have traded it with her in a nanosecond if it meant that we could, that she would leave my class and we wouldn't have to get adults involved. <laughs> and maybe I knew that it wasn't going to end right there in my class. We would have to go home and deal with my parents. So of course, the next morning, my sister and I, we tell my parents what happened. And so my uh, parents decided that they wanted to escalate the situation. And so my mom's talking through the steps that, she, uh, that we were going to take. And then she looked at me and she said, do you want to be involved or do you want to stay out of it because it, this includes one of your classmates? And right away I was like, oh no, I don't want to get involved at all. You know? And I'm like, oh, I got out of this. And just as quick as I said that, my dad responded, wait, no. You are family. You're already involved because this is your sister. And we stand up for one another. Now, I would say up until this point, when I would think about like our personal family rules, a lot of it was based on how you should behave or how you should act. This was probably one of the first ones that I can recall as, this is what we do. Now, we all have families. We have families we were born into. We have families we create. Um, you know, and then we kind of have families that we start to get placed into, whether it's work, school, clubs, and so on and so forth. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are reborn and born into the family of God. And when you're born into the family of God, there are family rules. They instruct us on how we should live. When we look at the Beatitudes, they weren't given as a way of salvation, but as a way of life for God's children. In the Beatitudes, we see specific groups of people, and sometimes we think like, okay, blessed are the meek, so this is just for the meek people. Blessed are the poor in spirit, this is just for the people who are poor in spirit. But really, what it is, is it's a complete picture for all of us and how we should be living if we want to inherit Christ's kingdom, because we are his children. Now, all these verses, they do apply to us at some point, because we will find ourselves in these situations. And Jesus is just telling us, how to respond. Today we're going to look at the last part of the Beatitudes. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revel and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets, who were before you. And that's Matthew 5, verses uh, 10 through 12. Who feels uplifted? <laughs> you know, we're all taught kind of at a young age that if we do good, we'll be rewarded, or if we do good, good will come to us. But here Jesus is telling us that if we live in, in accordance to his word, to what he calls righteousness, there is going to be persecution. Persecution for doing what is right. And people are going to lie about us, and they're going to set us up, and they're going to accuse us. Jesus is giving us a warning. And with that warning, he says, and despite all of that, not only do you have to be glad, but exceedingly glad. None of this makes me glad. <laughs> and reading these verses, it weighs heavy on me, in my mind, in my spirit. And I'd probably say for two reasons. The first one is, I can see throughout my life when it's come time to do battle, 
just like my 10-year-old self, I have tried to avoid it. I've tried to work, find workarounds. I've tried to be proactive and kind of imagine situations before they happen so that way I can come. And that way there's not going to be this big scuff or blowout or, or anything like that. Um, and then if it gets to a point where none of that works, many times I have walked away. I've washed my hands of the situation or even people. The second reason this weighs heavy on me is because currently I'm in a battle right now. I have been for the last 18 months. And it's because of my beliefs, because what I believe God has called me to, because of what I believe he says in his word, because I believe that he has the best intention for me. And I've been trying to hold on and grasp onto that promise. And when I think back to that situation, when it first started, it would have been so easy for me to change my beliefs or point of view, or at least say I did to create an illusion of peace. But I didn't. I stuck my heels in. And I stuck my heels in deep where there was really no backing down. And because of that battle, because of what is going on right now, I could definitely look back at this last year and a half, and I could say it's been a bad year, but honest to God, it hasn't. It really hasn't, because the place that this battle would naturally create emptiness in me or create voids, God has taken the opportunity to fill that empty space with himself, with his spirit, with his word, and with his people. And in that, I'm able to find joy. I'm able to be happy and say, thank you, God. You are good. You are sovereign. Above all things, I know I can continuously count on you despite what is happening right now. I want to focus on three words primarily in this message because we understand that persecution is going to come. We know it's going to happen. But I believe if we are proactive and take these steps and reflect on these things, that this will help us to be able to find joy and to be able to deal with the things that are to come. Thinking back to my binder story, when my dad stated, no, you're already involved because you're her sister and we stand up for one another. At that moment, I knew there was no other choice for me. And it's not because all of a sudden my 10-year-old self was like inspired by his words saying, yes, this is my sister. We stand up for one another. You know, there was no magical sense of loyalty at that point. What it was, the reason I knew I didn't have another choice was because I feared my dad more than I feared what would happen to me at school. So I think the first thing we need to look at is evaluate. We need to evaluate, do we fear God more than what can happen to us on this earth? It is so easy to say yes in this moment, but when we look at our actions, what are they telling us? Is he above all things? Do I place him before what people would think about me? Do I place him above my hurt, my grief, 
my politics, you name it, fill in the blank, whatever it is, is God above all of that. I personally would just recommend to spend some time in his presence praying. It, just asking him to show you. Have the Holy Spirit bring things to memory. Things that maybe need course correcting. Maybe things that need repentance. And we should do this often. Because it is so easy to all of a sudden things just begin to seem muddied. And to really distinguish between other things. And, and we're human. We're flawed. But because we know that, we need to be proactive in taking those taking that time. The next thing I want to look at is the word qualified. Now, I know sometimes, and if you've lived in this country for the last year and a half, you've seen different arguments about pretty much everything under the sun. And I know it's so easy to, in your head, think like, no, that's wrong, or yeah, this guy's right, or this and that and the other, but never say anything and, and it may be because maybe you don't feel qualified. Maybe it's, well, if I try to say something, maybe someone else will have a stronger argument, and maybe they'll find holes in mine, and I won't be able to back it up, and then I will look silly. But there is an easy solution to that, and that's to get qualified. I'm not saying that we all need to enroll into Bible school at this moment, but what I am saying is that we need to be doing the basics of Christianity. We need to be praying, spending time in his word, spending time with his spirit, and keeping the company that God keeps. If we do that, without a doubt, you will know what God calls good and what he calls evil. And it will become easy to distinguish through all the the justification that this world starts to throw at us and we can declare God's righteousness. Now, in saying that, I do want to point out some family rules here. There is a right way to do right things. It is so easy for this pointer finger, as we start going through, to become a gavel and we start judging others. But God has not called us to do that. He has challenged us to love others, to speak in love, not to go and stir something up and walk away. He has challenged us to love. And when we love, we see things through. We walk with people through their trials as we allow God to do the work. The third thing I want to talk about is cost. Is your faith costing you something? And if it's not, you're doing it wrong. It's easy to say we believe and practice our faith in the privacy of our homes or with our church community, but are we sharing it with the world? You know, standing up can be intimidating. We have all seen cancel culture in our current climate. All of a sudden, your entire world can change, just in a moment. We've seen people lose their digital footprint. We've seen people lose their jobs, their friends, their family. And all of this can happen by not saying the exact right thing that the listener wants to hear in that moment. And so sometimes that's why we don't, because maybe I might not get exactly right. 
In thinking about the cost, in that last, that last song we uh, sang, it uh, reminds me of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you can find the story in the book of Daniel. But at the time, they were living there, and the king Nebuchadnezzar decides to create this statue. And everyone is to stop and worship this statue when these certain songs are played and instruments and so on and so forth. And no one could worship any other gods but this new statue that is here. And those three guys said, no, we won't do it. And there were other people who were very envious of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because God's hand was upon them. So on the outside view, it always looked like they were just lucky. But God had been making provision for them throughout the whole time. And so they tell the king, and the king asks for these three men to come up. And he's like, look, I've heard stories. You haven't been worshiping, um, but you need to because I said so. I'm the king. I'm the king. And... Um, I'm going to give you another chance. Once the songs and flutes and everything else starts playing, just go ahead and worship. And they said no. They said no knowing that the cost was that they would land up in a furnace and that they would burn to death. They said no, knowing that it could cost them their life. In fact, they told the king, they said, look, we believe our God's going to show up. And even if he doesn't show up in the way that you're thinking, we know that we will be in his presence. And of course, they go, they're sent in. The only thing that is burned is just the ties from their hands. And the beauty of the story is that even the king, Nebuchadnezzar, recognizes that there's someone else in the fire with them. That when these men come out, their hair or clothes is not even singed. They look perfectly normal. And he recognized who the true God was that day. We have to learn to be comfortable with the fact that whatever happens on this earth can cost us everything here. But what it will create for us in eternity, we have no idea. We have no idea what the Lord has set for us, but he has promised that it is going to be good. And I don't know about you, I would rather sacrifice the momentary for the eternal any day, any moment. When we do that, we let God really work in our lives. We take off the restrictions that we put on him and how we think we should see things come out. Or just even being able just to say, God, I trust you, here it is, and allow him to deal with those things, we will be amazed. We would see miracles like those three gentlemen saw. He has so much for us. And he's just asking that he just does what, we, what he's called us to do. I know in my life, I'm actually a very private person. <laughs> And I don't really share too much. And probably a lot of you have just seen me running around. And until I come up on the stage, you realize I might have a little bit of a personality. But because I'm just going and otherwise we see me, it's like, hey, what's going on? But it's, it's because I know I like to get sought after. And the relationships I have are partly because of people coming after me and wanting to create a friendship or because I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to go 
and make friends or create relationships with people. But I can tell you, God has sought me out. He sought you out. And there is nothing that he wouldn't do for me. So why wouldn't I give him my all? As we get ready for this last song to play, um, I am going to go ahead and open up the altars. Um, I never put restrictions on it because I know God never does. So if there's just something that you need prayer for or about, um, we're going to have a few people up here to pray with you and agree with you. Um, but if something here resonated or you felt challenged or maybe the Holy Spirit was prompting you, we're going to be here. We want to agree with you. We want to encourage you in this walk. We want to encourage you that when you step outside these doors, you don't need to be afraid. You can stand up for your God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, you call us to rejoice in persecution, Father God. And it's not something that we naturally want to do. But Lord, you have so much for us. And God, you are our leader. And Lord, what they did to your son, if they hurt him, Jesus said, if they would do this to me, what would they do to you because of me? But God, Lord, that we can take comfort in who you are. We can hold on to you. And that you have been through everything. You have seen it all the way through. And even though it may not be what we can imagine, we know that your promise is greater than our thoughts. Your, your promise is greater than our will. And Father God, that we can hold on to that. Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.